The way you're being right now, it's kind of nasty. It's not like Jesus. The way that you're talking to your spouse, guess what? That's not okay. The way that you're dealing with your kids, I don't think that that honors Jesus. The way that you hold your politics, the way that you do this thing, whatever it is, we need someone who will lovingly encourage and challenge us, provoke us out of the stupor of the normal rhythm of our lives. It's probably happened to you. You're feeling a little tired on your drive when you notice flashing lights in the distance behind you. All of a sudden, you feel quite alert. Today, Pastor Daniel shares that you, like everyone else, need someone to help shake you out of the stupor of life so that you can see what's really going on. This is part of what a spiritual director does for you. They're the flashing lights that wake you up and help you see your need for Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Timothy chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Need for Humility and Direction. But if you're around all people who are doing the exact same thing, who've become settled, you're actually missing what God has created you for. I think of Pastor Bill Ritchie and Betty Ritchie, founding pastor and his wife, You know, Pastor Bill, he's so knee-deep in what's going on in Clark County right now. I mean, after 40 years of ministry, you think he could be like, okay, I'm done. You know? But it's like, no, it's like he's busier now than he was when he was on staff. He's Clark County Council on Aging. He's the chairman. This whole thing that's going on with homelessness in Clark County, he's in the middle of it, right? His wife, Betty, she's been serving in kids' ministry for 40 years, What's she doing now? Serving in kids' ministry every single week. Why? Because the American dream of working my tail off so I can retire and I can become like a Sudoku guru or something is not really exactly what God sent Jesus to die and rise again for you to do. It's true. It's like, you don't have to clap. Everyone's just like, Fusco, you can't say that. You're almost 40. Like it's, You're not allowed to say that yet. But listen, is that really God's will for our big brothers and sisters in the faith? That you've put in your time and now you coast to the end? Is that why you have breath in your lungs? No. But what happens is, is if all your friends are doing that, you live your life for the next vacation. You're like, oh man, I can't wait for the new season of whatever show that's really the driving passion of my life. That's not life. But it's a blind spot that our culture has given us. So we need spiritual friendship. And not only do we need spiritual friendship, but you have to realize that direction involves challenging encouragement. Direction involves challenging encouragement, like I was just doing to my big brothers and sisters in the faith, just there. Challengingly encouraging you to be different. Look at what it says in verse 7, because Paul does it to Timothy. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. 
See, true spiritual direction is both challenging and it's encouraging. See, Paul challenges Timothy. Notice what he says. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Timothy, by all accounts, was a fearful, timid kind of guy. We saw earlier that he had many tears. And you can imagine if Timothy is doing the work of the ministry, right? But he's kind of fearful and he's kind of timid. And then his mentor, Paul, is in jail. You can imagine Timothy just being like, yikes, what did I get myself into? And Paul doesn't say, yeah, man, oh, yeah, you got yourself, you're in way over your head, bro. Be freaking out. He says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power. The dynamic of the Holy Spirit, that dunamis of the Spirit, there's power and there's love, that word agape, self-sacrificial love and a sound mind. He's like, look, don't be timid and fearful. God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, a spiritual director, somebody who really loves you, will say, don't be fearful because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Isn't that a word for today? As the body of Christ is terrified to live in a world in America where Christianity isn't given a priority and they get upset about coffee cups and people saying Xmas instead of Christmas as if that means anything to anybody. And people say, oh, we can't say anything. No, God has given us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And we need to stop hearing, it's okay to be cranky about everything and start saying, no, God has given us a spirit of love instead of anger. He's given us a spirit of power instead of weakness. And he has given us a sound mind instead of a leaky mind. And we need that, don't we? See, Paul doesn't just let a dead dog lie. He says, no, Timothy, don't be timid. Be bold. And then notice what else he says. No, he says that. He says, and do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. He's saying, look, don't be ashamed of the fact that I'm in the pokey. Instead, that's slang for jail, depending on where you're from. The big house, clink, I got all the names. Behind bars. He's like, look, Sure, everything could tell you you should be scared because I'm in jail, but don't be. Actually, why don't you come and join me? That's what he says to him. He's like, look, he's like, you should live in such a way that if they're going to arrest Christians, that you get picked up and locked up. And I think that in the generation that we live, we need big brothers and big sisters and little brothers and little sisters to come alongside each other and say, listen, if they were trying to convict you of being a Christian, there would actually be enough fruit that you get busted and busted good. And we need that. It's not just encouraging or it's not just challenging. It's both together. I think this is important because we live in a world because everyone needs to love themselves. We live in an affirmation culture where we make the mistake of telling everybody, you can do anything you want. Guess what? You can't. It's not true to tell them, you can do whatever you want. See, I've always wanted to be a basketball player. Like, I just dig basketball, right? And like, I've always, not only just be a, I want to be a center. I want to be the big guy who can just like, I just have to get on my tippy toes and I can dunk. And when all the little guys come up, I can just reject them. Like, that's just like, my whole life I've always wanted to be that. Now, right now, standing on the stage, I am taller than everybody in the room. 
But when you see me off the jumbotrons, I'm really just a little dude. Diminutive. Right? I got the Napoleon complex. I'm small on the outside. I'm big on the inside. And I remember growing up, whenever they'd pick basketball teams, I'd always get picked last. And I'm always like, I'm going to be the center. And all the guys loved that because the guys who were really tall, they were like, oh, it's going to be fun. Because I wanted to be the big hulking guy just dunking on people. And every time someone tries to drive, I just swat that thing away and say, go away, fly, and all that stuff. And every time I'd sit in there, I couldn't block anybody. I couldn't make a shot. I was the guy who got rejected every time. And it'd be wrong for someone to say, Fusco, you could do whatever you want, man. You're going to be a center in the NBA. No, God actually had a different plan. Because there's no five foot seven centers in the NBA. Like, there's not even five foot seven water boys in the NBA. <laughs> and it's not right for us to tell everybody, you can do whatever you want because you can't. See, we live in an encouragement world when really we need challenging. Like, thank God along the way, my dad was like, you know, you're a really lousy basketball player. That's what he said to me. He's like, you're good for five fouls. That's it. You get them all in about five minutes. And I realized that was the best thing I had going for me. I got a bunch, I could just hack a bunch of guys and then I'm sitting on the bench. That's what I did until I decided maybe I'm not good at this. But at the same time, you also don't want a spiritual director who's only challenging you as well. And I think this is important because there's always those people who they just think that they're supposed to be the Holy Spirit in your life. And the only reason you're there is so that they feel better about how lousy they are by them making you feel lousy about yourself. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age with mentors and spiritual directors where a lot of people are just unhealthy and they just want to pass along their lack of health by picking you apart. And that's not what this is about either. See, Paul loves the Lord and he loves Timothy and he wants Timothy to blossom. He wants Timothy to be the God's man wherever he is. And he does that through lovingly challenging and encouraging Timothy. Now, I want to share with you one of my favorite verses, because I love that the Bible is full of it. I mean, challenging, encouraging verses, not full of it in another way. I know some of you are thinking, the Bible's full of it? He said that. I meant challenging and encouraging verses. This is when I think of the Bible challenging me and encouraging me. I always think of 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. I'm going to read this to you. By this we know love, because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Isn't that a nasty set of verses. He says, look, we know love because Jesus died for us. And how can we say that we love God if we see somebody in need and we have the resources to do it and we shut up our hearts and we don't do it? See, that's one of those verses that says, look, the reason that you and I can say we are right with God is because Jesus saw us in our need and had enough life as God to come and share that life with us. And if Jesus did it for us and we can look at somebody who doesn't have and is in need and we can not only not help them, but close our hearts off to them, how does the love of God dwell in us? And that's one of those things where the Bible's just like, 
You know why it's so challenging? Because don't we do it every day? Every single day, we see somebody in need, and we have become so good, and then we have politics encouraging us away from the love of God, and we don't even think twice about it. And then you read a verse like that, and you're like, ouch. And you know what I love about this? God loves us too much to leave us this way. So he puts a verse in there like that, because I'm growing too. I want to shut up my heart, and I don't want to do anything. And I'm like, oh, man, I see somebody who's hungry, and I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go buy a Krispy Kreme. I'm hungry. And it's so easy. I go buy a Krispy Kreme for me because I can, and there's someone who's starving, or maybe they're not starving and all this stuff, and you go through this whole rigmarole, but when you really realize if Jesus saw us in our need and came and died for us, and that's what real love is, then how can we say we love God if we don't function in that same love? I don't want us to be simplistic. There's a part of life as a Christian that we're always battling with the way the world is and the way the world ought to be, right? And we have to be wise as to the way the world is. Not everybody who's begging for food actually needs it. They can go get a job, right? But not everybody who is destitute is actually just trying to pull one over on everybody either. We struggle with the tension between this is the way the world is and this is the way the world ought to be. And we struggle with that tension. But I think the key is, as Christians, we need to struggle with the tension to find the right ways to be a blessing in a world and not enable people to be wrong, but not assume that everybody who is in need of help is seeking to be enabled to be wrong. And that's challenging, isn't it? But a spiritual director, God's word does that for us, helps us say, listen, the way you're being right now, it's kind of nasty. It's not like Jesus. The way that you're talking to your spouse, guess what? That's not okay. The way that you're dealing with your kids, I don't think that that honors Jesus. The way that you hold your politics, the way that you do this thing, whatever it is, we need someone who will lovingly encourage and challenge us, provoke us out of the stupor of the normal rhythm of our lives. And we all need that. Now, Paul's doing that for Timothy. Now, notice in verse 9, because he says, join me at the end of verse 8, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. He who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, this is so important. True spiritual direction focuses on Jesus. See, the spiritual director's job is to bring Jesus into the open in somebody's life. You notice this, Paul is saying all these different things. Listen, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Don't be ashamed of me. And then Paul starts preaching to Timothy about Jesus, who Timothy already believes in. He starts saying, look what he says. It's so beautiful. Jesus saved us, and he called us with a holy calling, not according to the things that we do, our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began and has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. See, a true mentor, a true spiritual director, brings Jesus out into the open of your life. 
And don't we need that? We need somebody who in the midst of every single day that we live to remind us about who Jesus is and what he's done. Now listen, I'm here to tell you, not only did I have my pastor who helped me, but I have men in my life right now who that's what they do. Where they aren't content to say, okay, you're the lead pastor at Crossroads, so you're the man, and we love your teaching, and so you're good. See, too many pastors, what they do is they become a pastor, and then everybody assumes that they're good, and they assume that they're good, and they end up off the rails. Why? Because we're human. And left up to our own devices, we're going to end up in a bad space. But you have to humble yourself and allow people to speak into your life. I'm so grateful I have Pastor G. Speaks into my life. You realize I can't spend a penny here without it being approved by somebody. I have complete accountability. Literally, I can't spend one dime at Crossroads without somebody checking on it and approving it. Why? Because I need people to make sure that although I am solid, I believe that I'm doing well, although a sinner saved by grace, that I don't end up off the rails. And I'm not telling you, you need a spiritual director because I don't have one. I got all sorts of people in my life. I think about our pastoral staff, so grateful for our pastors. Pastor Ron Stevens, I love this guy. Pastor Ron Stevens, it's amazing. He's been a pastor for like 30 years. He's been here. He's had a number of tours of duty at Crossroads. He was here, and then he went and planted a church, and he came back, and then he went out and planted, took over a church. He's been back here with me again. It's amazing. Pastor Ron Stevens has the gift of encouraging me. Every once in a while, he'll come grab me, and he'll just whisper in my ear a little encouragement. It's always, it's amazing, because he always gives me a little encouragement right at the time when I'm feeling like I'm the biggest loser in God's kingdom. He always comes and just whispers a little encouraging word. So grateful for that. And I allow that. I encourage, there's some folks in here, some close brothers and sisters. I had a sister came and she said, hey, Pastor Daniel, I noticed something. I want to talk to you about it. So grateful for that. A sister who, not trying to be my, I'm going to pick apart Fusco, but noticed something and said, I just want to check on you. How are you doing? And I was like, praise God. So I'm not encouraging you to something other than what I'm experiencing. I'm here to tell you, I want us as a family of faith to grow. I want all of us to be centered on Jesus. And the only way that that happens is if you allow someone to keep presenting Jesus to you. What Jesus looks like through your world to be able to unpack the details and circumstances in your life that are pregnant with God's purposes and plans that you're not going to get from your spouse and you're not going to get from your friends, but it's going to come from a close personal relationship where someone is willing to speak into your world. I'm grateful for the board of directors of Crossroads. These men who, when we go to talk about what we're doing as a church, they check in on me and they say, hey, as you know, and they ask me questions about how I'm doing, and along with Ron Barron and Jason Ritchie. I'm so grateful for these men because they'll challenge me on things. They'll say, hey, what about this? Are you going to make sure you're going to take care of it this way? Hey, I'm concerned about this. We all need that in our lives if we want to love ourselves properly because we need people who will share with us the things that we don't see the mistakes that we don't realize that we're going to make. True spiritual direction is all about Jesus being formed in your life, that resurrected life of God being made manifest in our lives. Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia, Galatians 4.19, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. 
That's the job of a spiritual director. That's the job of a good spiritual mentor is someone who says, I want to see Christ formed in you. I labor in birth pangs so that Jesus is formed in your life. I ask you, do you have that? Have you said yes to that? You might be saying, well, I haven't. Listen, when we do our groups push in January, just in six weeks, you got to join a group. If you're a man, go to men's ministry. If you're a woman, go to women's ministry. If you're in the second half of life, go to Next Step. Serve in kids' ministry, because you'll get that as you serve with Pastor Ryan. If you're an, a greeter and an usher, Pastor Greg and the people who are there pouring into your lives, you serve in student ministries, Pastor Robbie and the team there. You end up having life upon life where our pastors, their job is not just to run a successful ministry. Their job is to see Jesus formed in the people who serve alongside of them and in the people that they serve. And that's what we do. But you have to say yes to that. Because what happens when you get into a smaller context, not in rows, but in circles, not only do you allow people to speak into your life, but you also begin to speak into other people's lives. And you're going to find people who God has very specific gifts in, gifts of caring and nurturing, who you're only going to realize that not sitting in a row in church, but sitting in a circle in a small group. All of a sudden, someone is really good at this. And I believe that Pastors, leaders, ministry leaders are sitting all through our congregation just waiting for those gifts to be brought to the surface. They're not going to be brought to the surface sitting in here, but they will in a small group. But do you want that for your own life? That's the question. A good spiritual director, all the focus is on Jesus. Now, one more thing you need to see. Look at verse 11 to the end of this little section. To whom I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Finally, spiritual direction promotes mutuality and growth. It promotes mutuality and growth. That word mutuality, it's not a common word, but literally what it speaks about is it speaks about not a one-way street, but a two-way street. See, not only is the Apostle Paul pouring into Timothy, he is also sharing his own life with them. He says, look, I've been appointed as a preacher or a herald, somebody who speaks boldly, an apostle, somebody who's commissioned, who's sent by the Lord, and as a teacher, somebody who helps unpacking this thing of the Gentiles. He says, for this reason, I also suffer these things, verse 12, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. See, Paul has been sharing his own life with Timothy. It's not, Timothy, I'm going to tell you how to live, and I'm going to tell you how to make you in my image. He's saying, look, not only am I going to let you share your life with me, I'm going to share my life right back. See, it's meant to be a two-way street. God is deeply interested in relationships. And we want not only people who are going to just give us what we need to grow, but we want people who are going to share their lives, and it becomes a co-creating of lives together. We're coming to the end of our time with you today, but we're so glad you tuned in for Jesus is Real Radio. 
I want to take a moment to tell you about a great new book that Pastor Daniel has written, and it's being released February 16th. It's called Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. I'll tell you how you can pre-order in just a moment, but let's have Pastor Daniel share what you'll find in this new book. Thanks, Josh. Have you ever wondered if God wants you to be happy? I get asked that all the time, and the answer is yes, He does want you to be happy. He loves for us to be satisfied and full of joy. But the question is, how do we find that happiness in today's crazy world? That's why I wrote Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life. It's packed full of stories and insights into how God has designed you and me for happiness. I know you're going to love it. Here's Josh to tell you more. What an exciting book. You can pre-order it right now, too. And you'll find some special offers only for people who pre-order now. Just go to danielfusco.com and scroll through the list of retailers to find the one you want to order from. He'll be releasing it on Kindle and audiobook form as well. Check out the info about how to claim that at danielfusco.com. Again, that's danielfusco.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Art of Living. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio. 